So this is now episode two of the What I Believe podcast, and uh, this is uh, number one uh, audience number one request. Everyone's been asking for this guy. You know, I I try to ask for um, for him, and I try to find him high and low. But finally, he's in the studio today. If you want to call this a studio, but we're here anyways, Mister Jeremy Garland. AKA my fluffy white biscuit, if you want to call him that. Wow. <laughs> Does Faith ever call you that? You know what? She's called me a few things, <laughs> and that is not one of them. <laughs> Take that as a compliment. You know, if Faith is listening, you know, you should probably call him that every once in a while. <laughs> All right, let's begin. have mr jeremy garland in with me and welcome welcome to the show have you heard heard this podcast before i have talked to you about it just from you yeah just for me just from you but i'm excited about it because you are well i won't call you a fluffy white biscuit <laughs> we won't call you that but you are one of you are one of uh you're one of very very special young people to me Thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, it's definitely not fluffy. That's for sure. Not not the fluffy. We'll let you get away with that until I'm, the end of this. I'm like, and you'll never call me that again. I don't know. You want to call me like a I don't know, a skinny baguette? <laughs> you can call me that. We're gonna. We need to hang out more. Yeah, we do. That's what that tells me. Pretty much. <laughs> we need to like go to a range. That's what we need to do. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. speaking of ranges, you know, this is why I brought you on the the podcast today because um everyone i bring on this show it has they have like a, a topic or a subject that i can discuss with them and it could honestly be a blessing to others and for for jeremy's case um the topic i have for him we would like to discuss is the military uh you served in the military with the few the proud the marines um for some time and you're part of the church's ministry here front site um that's dedicated towards helping um veterans who are either current who are actively deployed or are are people who um, are veterans now who don't serve but are trying to get back to normal life any there's lots of different cases but you're part of that ministry now and we'll discuss all about it but uh, we'll just start off with your experience in the military so like I said, you served in the Marine Corps. How long? How long did you serve yeah, for? Yeah, so I served exactly for um, six years, nine months. Six years, nine months. Six years, nine months. Do you go um, right out of high school? Uh, I, I did. Um, so just just to give a, a nice timeline there, because I, th- I think a lot of I, a lot of guys join the Marine Corps right like right out of high school. Yeah. You know, you always hear about those guys that are like, oh, I'm in the delayed entry program. Mm-hmm. So um, my experience is a little different, and uh, I think it might be important, though, or, or it might be of value to dive into that a little bit, mm-hmm. um, just because a lot of kids that are in high school right now, a lot of, and they're not kids, right? I mean, yeah, they don't feel like, they don't feel like kids, mm-hmm. you know, 16, 17, 18, I didn't feel like a kid, you know, I felt like. I have to make some seriously like mature decisions and I'm working with the tool set that I got. Yeah. Right. So when I was, um, 
when I was a junior in high school, you know, I had switched. I had been to, like, five different high schools. Like, high school was... Looking back, like, high school was difficult, mm-hmm. to say the least. Right. You know, um, I'd gotten to a point where, you know, my senior year, I was actually 18. Um, and I don't know if it's still like this, but at 18... You can basically, you can sign yourself out of class if you want. Like, nobody can really tell you what to do. Right. Mm -hmm. You write the schedule, you know, and, and that wasn't, that wasn't good for me um, because I felt I had other priorities, you know. So anyway, um, senior year came around and, and I had some, uh, I had some older friends who, you know, had already went and became Marines and, um, you know, they were all guys I, I, like kind of grown with over the years, right? Even though I had gone to, I was in all these different places, I felt like my life was all over the place. But, um, yeah, I started running. I started going down to the the recruiting office, and um, I felt like I just linked up with, you know, a down-to-earth guy, you know, Mm -hmm. my recruiter, right? The recruiter's always down-to-earth, isn't he? Tells you all the fun stuff that the Marines have to <laughs> offer you, right? Yeah. No, yeah. And you know what? Most recruiters are are, are good to go. Mm-hmm. Most of them are good to go, especially Marines. Um, but then the day. Partial truth to that. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no. So you go to recruiter. The recruiter tells you all the beds and or bells and whistles about the Marines, and it, it was enough to hook you on? No, you know what? Um, my, recruiter, my recruiter specifically, he – uh, he recognized my situation mm-hmm. and you know what? Um, you know, I made a kind of a slanting mark remark right there. Just, just being funny, um, because everybody thinks that Marines are crazy and you know, like it's just, it's just a wild decision to go become a Marine, but, um, that's not true. You know, there couldn't be anything farther from the truth. Uh, it's, it's an extremely, I think it's a high calling for sure. If you're going to join the military, it's one thing to join the military and it's even another thing to 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 choose without knowing I'm gonna go I'm gonna go pledge myself to be a Marine. Right. Like that's a big deal, you know. So but my recruiter, what he did was he recognized the position that I was in. Um he he recognized my professional position being my my obligation at the time was school. He recognized the position I was in there. He recognized the position I was in personally with my home. And he took you know, what my desires were, what I was vocalizing. And he made a professional decision on, you know, in, in the lane that, that he's made to, to, he's a recruiter. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so he made a decision on, on my behalf, so to speak, to give me a list of options, right. Like you're talking about and lay out, Hey, these are some of the things that you could potentially do. Mm -hmm. Um, so for you, what were you what were you assigned uh, in the Marines? So so I once I became a Marine, mm-hmm. which that's a fun process of itself. No, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Uh, and that was a big part of that was a big you know I I God really did use that recruiter instrumentally in my life, mm-hmm. and I want to I want to speak to that um, because he defended me in more ways than one, you know, he, he, at a time when nobody would really kind of stand out and be like, Hey, this guy's, this guy's, this guy's worth my time. Mm -hmm. You know, he's worth the investment 
professionally, he's worth the investment, um, you know, pouring into as a, as a, obviously he was an older guy, he was a sergeant, you know, and I'm a kid that's not even done with high school yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but he poured out his time, you know, he opened his home, he, he, he opened his family to me, you know, and that was huge. That was huge. And, and he gave me a network of people, you know, that were already Marines presently, their families that were there local. It was amazing. It was amazing, and it took me out of a circle, you know, where I was wasting my time or getting in trouble or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but to get what you were saying to answer your question, I was initially going to be a um, an F eighteen Hornet mechanic. Mm. So that's the Marine Corps um, uh, fighter aircraft, mm-hmm. and uh, but that was only available in a reserve capacity. Oh, so but you were. Not reserved. No. <laughs> Not reserved. No. 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 So I ended up um I ended up taking a position in logistics um with ammunition and and uh demolitions, explosives, so stuff like that. Kind of like a bomb squad or like No, no. So logistics, so I was I basically would start in, in warehousing. Okay. Um or, you know, taking accountability of munitions, uh, issuing out munitions, explosives, things of that nature. But that job would, in in the special forces community or in the infantry community, you know, they'd call you like a strap hanger. Mm-hmm. You, um, basically, like, you could, you could start out in, you know, this capacity where... You know, you're taking accountability of munitions, you're doing warehousing, you're doing stuff like that. You know every, you have to learn everything about all of the material. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to know how, how it's made, how it comes together, how, um, you know, how it's effective, how far it's effective to you. You have to know all of these different things. And that's everything from like a bullet, you know, maximum effective range, um, you know, what type of powder is in it, what what the different casings are, you know, the primers, you have to know all that. But then also, you know, you get courses in C4 and dynamite. You know, you get to deal with, um, you know, laws and smalls, and those are all, like, man-fired rockets. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to learn about all these different, um, I guess, things that kill people. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're... <laughs> cause, cause mass destruction. Yeah. But mm-hmm. So you learn about all that, but that makes you an effective member to say go out to an infantry unit, you know, that's camped out in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. you know, and you become the liaison because all of those guys need to have, you know, combat loads. All of those guys need to have, um, you know, they need to have flares. They need to have rockets. They need to have explosives. They need to have all of that stuff for their missions to conduct their mission. So you can find yourself in some pretty interesting places. Whereas, you know, traditionally in logistics, in the Marine Corps, you know, you could find yourself sitting on a big base in a warehouse. Boring. Um, boring. To yeah, boring. Know. But you know what, though? It's somebody needs somebody needs to serve in that capacity as well. Exactly. Yeah. You know, not everybody can kick the door, you know. And I think, you know, if the room was full of Marines right now, you know, and there were grunts in here and there were, you know, a bunch of, bunch of other guys in here, <laughs> you know, people that aren't grunts. Um, you know, you'd have, you'd have a bunch of colorful, 
opinions. Yeah, I you know. But the thing is, is um, er, so everything in the Marine Corps is based around um, supporting the warfighter, mm-hmm. and everybody has at least a capacity to be. They say every man is a rifleman. Mm-hmm. You know, every Marine is a rifleman. Exactly. So, so everybody learns. You know, when you say, you know, what was your job? What was your specialty? You know, well, everybody starts as a rifleman. And then whether you continue as a rifleman or you go into a different specialty, you know. Yeah. For those who were not, like, fully aware of, like, the level of, like, military power or anything, the typical saying goes, in, in a battle, the Marines go first. Uh, well, the Navy sends the Marines on the boats, and then the Army cleans up afterwards. But needless to say, the Marines, from the time they were founded, they're the ones who go out and serve on the front lines, the ones who are defending us every single day. And sure, there are special um, special cases where, you know, Navy SEALs or Army Rangers, so special warfare um, elite groups, they do some of the work too. But if you're going, you think of the Marines, the Marines are always out there on the front lines defending us all the time. So as Jeremy says, you know, everyone's trained to be a rifleman in every branch, but more specifically the Marines, because uh, they're typically the ones who are out there first, whatever the situation may be. Yeah. The, the, the motto is first to fight. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. First to fight. So, and you know what? Um, I always, I'll tell you this, just as a side note, when I was considering the Navy, you know, maybe the Army, I always knew that the Army, like, I knew there were no Army bases on the West Coast, you know, and I needed, I needed a military base in Southern California. (laughs) It was a must. So my, yeah, my godmother, (laughs) interestingly enough, my godmother, who was my Sunday school teacher, um, I used to go on these trips with her to Oceanside. Mm. You know, she, she, she would go down to Oceanside about once a month. And so I'd go with her and you're just driving along the five and it's just city, city, city. And then it's like blank. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and you look to the left, you look to the right and you don't really see anything every once, you know, every, every so often on the trip, you just see this big boat and, you know, uh, a 53 for, it's a super stallion. It's just a giant helicopter, you know, carrying a Humvee, mm-hmm. you know, over the freeway. You don't see that on the. Uh, you don't see that on the five freeway in Los Angeles. Or That's right. Like that. And if you do, you know, We're de- at war. Yeah, depending <laughs> depending on who you are, you either run away or run towards it. So yeah, so I saw that, um, and I would see you know the training areas and all that stuff once you get a little further south and. So I always knew the Marines were just kind of south of, of my doorstep. Yeah. You know? Well, for you, uh, that big Marine base is Camp Pendleton. And That's I've been right. there three times because I was part of uh, NJROTC in high school. And we had the, like this thing called, we, we call it BLT, and that's not the sandwich for those of you thinking. No, BLT in our case stood for basic leadership training. It was just kind of like this like one-week boot camp that we would have it's not really intense it's just uh, for high schoolers so nothing really really hard about it but uh we used to have them in coronado we spent a week out in coronado for this uh basic leadership training but the last three years of my high school we went to pendleton and geez that is a humongous base like it is 
I just I've never been from one side to the other. Like I've never. There's just so much around. Happy, happiest place on earth. I know, right? I mean, my favorite part going to Pendleton. Well, first we stayed in those um those huts. Kwanzaa and Camp Telega. Yep. That's what we say. Camp Telega and those huts. Jeez, those things. If you leave a window open at night, it freezes the whole thing. Yeah. It's, it's literally you're sleeping in a can. Yeah, half shelter on a piece of cement. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then, but no, stayed in those. And <laughs> my brother, when he went, he always likes to tell the story that you, the guys, you know, you take showers and, you know, you're doing marine, military style. So there's no uh, curtains for showers or anything. No, so, it's pretty, it's you know, pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's the military for you. Yeah. But he always likes to say that one time when they were showering in the night Marine who was actually staying there, came in and yelled at them and shut them all up and said, you're being too much of a distraction, you know, yeah. but no Pendleton is humongous place. And honestly, my favorite part is the, where they train the Marines. They, um, you're not going to give a Marine right off the bat, like, um, a gun and say, shoot it especially for certain weapons. What they have is airsoft weapons that they have simulators for. And what we did every year is a highlight of Pendleton. They literally have a Humvee sitting in the middle of a a room with 360 cameras, Humvee with a 50 caliber uh, machine gun mounted on top of it, just as if you were doing this in like, you know, anywhere in Afghanistan or Iraq or whatever. And they put you as in a simulator, they put you in the scenario in like anywhere in the world. And you, uh, as a team, you're supposed to like go through the mission. It's like a practically a real life video game mm-hmm. with airsoft weapons and everything. It was like so much fun uh, having so much fun. And yeah, it's, I, I'll leave it at that. Cause I could say like details about no, it. For but, sure. Yeah. The but, cool thing, you know, the cool thing about, uh, I think one of the the one of the big details and what you're kind of getting into is 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 training exposure. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And and I love training. You know, I I remembered early on, you know, nobody likes training. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you have to really be and 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 there is the the guy who does like training is the guy who's looking forward to the mission. Yeah. You know, he's looking to be built up. The guy who doesn't like training is the guy who's just trying to, to, to stay comfortable, stay warm, you know, go through go, the motion. Yeah. Go home for the weekend. And mm-hmm. you know what? I, I know what it's like to be both of those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I know what it's like to be like, Oh my God, I got to spend, you know, I got to spend a week in the field. Like that's nothing though. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll go out and they do this all the time. Exactly. And, and you know what though? The Marine Corps is very good at, trying to get the training to be harder than what it is that you may actually be exposed to, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a, in a conflict environment mm-hmm. or in a combat environment. Um, and that I love because it's a constantly evolving process. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the, you have the war fighters that have gone before you, they've come back, you know, they've come back with tactic. They've come back with understanding you know, and there really is a very um, present sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. You know, let's train, let's train the guys that are going to come after us. You know, so like you're talking about the sim, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things that take place. You know, now there's, there's all kinds of special, you know, specialized groups now 
that train for different environments. They train for different conflict. They train for urban warfare. They train for, you know, they've gone even back into jungle warfare. They've, they've done all these different things. And I think that's, I think that's awesome because typically, you know, you look at, even if you've seen, you know, maybe one of your buddies in high school, you see the before and after. And the after is always this carved, like, like professional, sharp, you know, definitely not the person who came, the person who goes into that oh, is the civilian, but no, they come out the soldier. Yeah. 13 well, trooper. Yeah. Yeah. Not soldiers. Troopers. Marines, Marines are not soldiers. <laughs> Marines are troopers. Put that on the, uh, put that on a sticker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a difference. No, <laughs> no, no. But the warfighter in general, yeah. you know, guys that go to the army, guys that go to the Navy, guys that go to the air force, you know, there's something that there you do see a result, um, or at least I hope you do, mm-hmm. you know. But the Marine Corps, um, having just a little bit of a longer training element to it, you know, you get that, you get that, that young man or woman that comes back, and they are Marines now, mm-hmm. you know. And I'll just mention one last thing about training, and just at a very basic fundamental level, you show up when training starts. Um, after a certain training day, you know, you're issued a rifle. Mm-hmm. You're issued a rifle. You don't have rounds with it. It's nothing like that. But you get you get given the, the basics, and it's just a rifle and a sling. Mm-hmm. And once you have that rifle, that rifle is maintained in your possession mm-hmm. all the time. All the time. And you take it back to the squad bay, you march with it, you go everywhere with it. You you begin to learn the the intimate details of it. You learn the serial number, you know, it being your rifle mm-hmm. and you spending time with it, you learn, you know, this is where it's scratched. This is where the pain is fading. You know, the the rifle takes you know, this clip needs to pop this way in order to get the upper receiver separated from the lower receiver Mm -hmm. you know this is what the trigger feels like you know this is where the last recruit didn't clean it you know or the last marine that was using it he didn't clean it here you know now it's your this is how you punch the bore this is how you so you learn the ins and outs of this tool Mm -hmm. i mean you're not out putting rounds downrange but it's interesting because the first part of the 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 first part of marine corps boot camp is spent with this rifle. You're walking around with it. You're getting punished with it. You're getting in the dirt with it. You're, you know, you're cleaning it. You're sleeping next to it. Mm -hmm. You're doing all this stuff. You're locking it up in the armory, you know, and then when you go to pull it back out, bam, you're looking at the serial number. You're you're constantly identifying with this tool. And then during the second phase, you go up to what is called Edson Range, where I used to work. Um, That was one of my last duty stations. You go up to Edison Range, and you begin to do what we call snapping in. You begin to point, you begin to use the sight. You begin to learn the basic position, Mm -hmm. you know, the basic firing position. And then the progression of that is then you're given rounds, and then you're put on the range. Mm -hmm. And then you're taught, you know, this is a shot at 100 yards. 
This is a shot at 300 yards. This is a shot at 500 yards. These are the safety parameters now. This tool that you've had for a month and a half already, now we've engaged another piece to it, and now it can give and take life, you know? And really at that point, other than your drill instructors, this is when you begin to encounter the first Marines. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's my rant on yeah. rifles and training. And training. For you, um, you take that training with you and you go where the Marines send you. Where did you spend some of your time during your um, six years and nine months? Sure. So I entered Marine Corps boot camp October 2005, and by, I want to say, late August, September 2006, I was deployed to the Al-Ambar province um, in Iraq. Mm -hmm. So going into what would be a winter deployment, deployments are six months. So um, my first deployment, I spent going all over uh, the AO, the area of operation, mm-hmm. supplying the entire AO, you know, various bases, various forward operating bases, combat outposts, um, just supplying different points, you know, mm-hmm. and just being told, you know, hey, here's your, here's what you're going to be taking. This is where you're going to be going. Make sure it gets there. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm a 20, 20 year old kid, 20 year old young man, you know, carrying hundreds of thousands of pounds of net explosive weight, Mm -hmm. you know, across uh, a desert, uh, across the country that, you know, there are a lot of folks there that that would rather not see that stuff be made to, you know, make it to its destination. Mm -hmm. So I spent my, so I spent that time there. Um, and then I came home. I don't know. May time, but whatever that eight, eight, six month period is, you know, May or so, um, March or so, and then eight months lapsed, went back again, but that time I went back to um, a, a a base a little further um, east in the country, mm-hmm. um, but still in Iraq. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I went to a place called Habania. Um, which is across, you know, Lake, Lake Habania. There's a couple of surrounding bases that are around it. There's, you know, a pretty, most people know what Fallujah is. Mm-hmm. Fallujah is a pretty big city, pretty well-known city. Um, and then, you know, there's Ramadi, there's, um, Altakatum. You know, there's, there's a, there's a slew of cities right there and it's all on the road. It's all on the way to Baghdad. Mm-hmm. So, that was the second deployment. And then I came home for, I want to say about two years, year and a half or so. Can't, can't quite remember the dates anymore, but, um, yeah, then I would redeploy or I would deploy again out to, um, Helmand province in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And I would spend a better portion of my time, uh, there in, city called marja for a good for a deployment yeah for the for for a part of the deployment i would go back and forth between um there and in a bigger base 
Mm-hmm. But yeah. Did you, I mean, you, so with what your job was, you know, you're supplying the ammunition, whatever, for whatever weapon it may be, your job was to supply it. So do, with that job, do, do you see a lot of action? You know, in the first in the first two deployments, the first two deployments were, the first deployment was like a partial combat deployment. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent a lot of time on the road. So that first deployment that I had told you about when we did the winter deployment um, in December, you know, 2006, uh, I was on my way out to the Jordanian border, near the Jordanian border. And um, yeah, the, the front, we took an IED blast to the front right side of the truck. Mm. Um, so a lot of IEDs, you know, small arms fire, um, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, not too long after that, I would go out to a place called Haditha Dam, um, you know, in a pond just su- at the supply point. I'm like right outside the gate, you know, the truck right behind me would blow up because it cut the corner you know, and went into the dirt. Um, So the Iraq deployments were a lot of convoying, Mm -hmm. a lot of convoying. Um, And then Afghanistan, Afghanistan was a little different. I didn't go to Afghanistan on a, uh, as a, as a, I didn't go to Afghanistan in a logistics, um, in a logistical role. I went to Afghanistan as a, I was under a private security, or a personnel security detail. So um, I was a, I started as a general's driver. I was on his personal security detachment. So basically, wherever he went, you know, myself and another team of Marines would would go and, you know, we would set up security and we would, you know, make sure that, you know, his operations went smoothly and that he was guarded. Right. Um, In a portion of that deployment, I got changed into another role. I volunteered to go with a detachment of Marines that went down to a city called Marja. Mm -hmm. And just prior to um, us being there, they did the biggest air insertion of Marines since Vietnam. Mm -hmm. So uh, just an, (laughs) just an, an unrealistic like group of Marines, you know, inserted by Hilo uh, into this, you know, farming community, basically. But the farming community didn't grow, you know, corn. You know, they grew um, what would become black tar heroin. They grew heroin. Um, so the entire community, you know, that was that's the crop of of choice. Right. You know, that's the lucrative crop. That's what pays the bills. So I would go with this group of Marines um, down into the city of Marja and. Um, we aided the uh, infantry unit that was embedded there at the time um, in a partial, it was called a humanitarian mission, but, you know, for the most part, it was, 
the intent was to move the people from producing the raw form of, of heroin, of drugs, you know, and move them into crops that would feed the community, you know, would help the community mm-hmm. um, and not make them, you know, basically a factory for, for the Taliban, you know? Right. Um, so that had, that had interesting encounters in it. You know, there was definitely, um, you know, that was a more of a combat orient, orientated mission. Oh, I couldn't, yeah. You know, so you think about that. Yeah. So, and, it, but the cool, um, I would say the upside is, uh, and I don't know that a lot of guys get to have that this experience, you know. But you know, one day, you know, you're you're, you're dealing with you're dealing with a group of guys, you know, that are are looking for you with AKs and a PKM, you know, and 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 the next day, you know, I'm dealing with you know a child that that has leukemia, mm-hmm. you know. So you have these like super highs and super lows. You know, and it's, you know, asking, like, you know, what was the action like? Um, you, know, you get some guys that just fight every day. Like, they're just in a fight every day. And that's how Marja was. Like, Marja, every night, troops were in contact. We call them ticks. Um, every night, guys are fighting. Every single night. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's the, that's, that's the, that's what it takes you know, that's literally what it takes. There are people out there that are looking to um, continue to take advantage. Let's say you own a farm, okay? They're looking to take advantage of of your ability to grow something or to produce a good, right? And there are people that know, you know, I can get him to do what I want him to do. All I got to do is threaten his family, threaten next, you know, Mm-hmm. Whatever it may be, I'm giving you a really general, yeah, like idea. This is not how the entire conflict of Afghanistan is. This is not a representation of what the Marine Corps has done. Like I'm just giving you a very, very general outlook. Mm-hmm. That guy and his family, if they're not on board with the Taliban by fear or force, you know, or getting, you know, maybe they're getting paid a, a, a lucrative sum. That community, in a sense, does not have a choice mm-hmm. because they're being forced. Right, you, you do it, or in the worst case, they're gonna, you know, you you'll die for it. So we had like it, you know, there's a big issue ongoing right now about interpreters. Mm-hmm. There are interpreters who served longer than I served in the Marine Corps. Period. I mean, the the Afghanistan conflict is is two decades. You know. There are interpreters in that country right now that have served a decade, you know, or half decade, but they serve every day mm-hmm. out on mission, you know, and and their knowledge of what is going on in the local area is so much greater than even, you know, most of the commanders that would come on deck, you know, most of the people who are creating the strategy. And those people right now are having a difficult time. Because they can't come. They can't seek refuge, mm-hmm. you know. And to a lot of, you know, a lot of people in the, not a lot of people, but I think that there are people in the warrior community 
you know, that recognize how vital that person was. You know, I mean, that interpreter could be saving lives on a daily basis and not just saving lives, but like saving the lives of those people who went through all of this training, spent all of this time, our country has spent all this money on, you know, and we've gotten, you, you literally have boots on the ground and now you have a guy who speaks the language, understands the culture, understands the conflict to a degree, you know, and understands that his understanding is these Americans, they're here to help. Mm-hmm. In a, in a sense, like they're here to be the good guy. You know, so I think that the unfortunate thing that combat can do is you can have a terrible day. Right. You can have a straight up terrible day and it can start at zero seven. Anytime. In the oh, day. yeah. 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 Anytime. You know, so your day can get going sideways all kinds of early, mm-hmm. you know, and. I think guys can go home with that and all they come away with is like this distrust and, 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 and this like hatred, you know, towards, towards the enemy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe it even gets, maybe it even gets to the point where it's like, it's a certain type of people, you know, depending on the conflict. Well, Going with that, that that does actually you bring this tie this to my next question. You know, for those who you know who come back from the military, even way you know the, the issue of like PTSD and trauma and everything like that. That's nothing. It's nothing new throughout our history. The history of human nature. We've always had for those who go out to war, go to a military experience like frontline action and like they experience some terrible things they come home carrying that weight with them you know and we see a lot of uh things in the news of people who come home disabled who honestly it's unfortunate that their spouses leave them because of it those who come with their trauma and everything and some veterans are homeless you see a lot of homeless veterans and they thought of suicide or anything it's just like it's these are like the battles that these men and women, they, they don't have to, uh, they come home dealing with those battles, leaving the battles that they left wherever they were deployed or wherever. They have to come home and face these battles. So like if with this question, I want to ask you like how, like how important does getting a relationship with the Lord counter that, that trauma or whatever they have to deal with? Like how, how does that help? Did it, help you in any way? Like, were you saved when you went to the Marines and then afterwards, like give, give us your take on that. Yeah. Um, it is a big question. Yeah. It's a big question for, a, for a lot of veterans. You I think, uh, I think coming off of that last comment too, that was, um, obviously that's not everybody's, and I think I think the person who says send me I'll go mm-hmm. is is a guy that is acting in in a in in the capacity which you and I would judge as good or the good guy that's my heart I never went to Iraq or Afghanistan with the thought in mind of like you know what 
I just want to shoot somebody. I just want to hurt people. That was not my intent. Mm -hmm. If you choose to interact with me and you choose to escalate force to a degree where I'm going to have to impose my will upon you in, in, in a defensive nature, that was your choice. Mm -hmm. And I think that's biblical. That's biblical, you know? Um, You know, war is something that you know, people, sometimes people like, what, what's that term? For those who are afraid to go to war or something, they're, um, what, what, what's that term called? Conscientious, conscientious objector. Yeah. You feel that, you know, the they take the, the commandment, thou shall not murder real seriously yeah. and apply it to war. But, you know, the thing is, in the Bible, War is biblical. War, God used war for to for advantage to protect the Israelites, and the Israelites had to go to war to d defend their people and stuff. Right. I think there's a big like like let's sit on that real quick before we answer your next question because I want to I want to lead off with this little piece of scripture on that next part. Yeah, but um, murder. I think murder. I, I'm no. I'm not a lawyer. Um, but murder is is pre you it's preconceived. You've thought of it. It's conceived. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of times there are the degrees of murder, you know. Um, and maybe sometimes people are charged with murder when you know they've done things that are they didn't mean to. Like I didn't mean to kill you, even though I drove drunk in my car mm -hmm. and crashed into you and killed your whole family. I didn't mean to commit that murder. That's still an act of murder, right? But as you trace back like that chain of custody of, of, of like choices, you can see how that how that leads up. Mm -hmm. But now and and I will say something. You can be charged with murder. Just because you and I are are in Iraq or we are in Afghanistan, and we have been, you know, there's been a warning order published, which is basically put you, assigned you to a mission, right? It is, it is, you have set your face towards a mission. Just because you are out on that mission, and you have rounds, and you have a rifle, and you have the means to take life, does not mean that you will not be, that you and I will not be held accountable for discharging that weapon mm -hmm. or taking life or hurting somebody. No, no, no. Yeah. People should not get it confused. And they're, especially in the conflict, especially in the OIF and OEF, the operation Iraqi freedom operation, enduring freedom, especially in these conflicts, because these conflicts are not uniformed soldiers it is not a uniformed army versus a uniformed army. Very different. Very much so un... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's un uh, unconventional warfare. Mm -hmm. I have to find you doing something. You know, it's much more like policing in a sense. Like a police officer has to find or has to kind of investigate to a degree mm -hmm. to find out what's going on. And the officer only uses deadly force when it's to 
save his life or mm-hmm. to preserve the life of others. That's very much so the same thing. So you can't call somebody who goes on a deployment, who goes to war, you know, a murderer, and yeah. thou shalt not murder. Like if if that's the if that's the the if that is the context in which somebody is standing on and saying, you know what, I can't join the military because thou shalt not murder. No, murder is still very much so a choice, whether you're in the military or not. And being in the military, you have to exercise all of the gifts, of the, all of the fruits of the spirit mm-hmm. in order to not only have a successful campaign, but to have a successful career. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. If you have these things, not only are you an, an elitely equipped warfighter, but you are able to enter into combat effectively mm-hmm. and you're able to come out of it effectively. So to get to your question, I actually was just looking down on this. I have this uh, this notebook, this journal notebook here. By, by It's got some stuff from Chuck Smith in it. And it says, um, he on this page I'm writing on for us in our notes, it says, uh, this is a scripture from Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Mm-hmm. And his note in that is, what a beautiful picture of God's kingdom and our relationship with God when we are in heaven, God in our midst, rejoicing over us, singing to us, and calming us in his love. That all, <laughs> that all may, may be very mushy in like the ears of, of a, you know, a hardened veteran, mm-hmm. you know, but the reality is this, and I think this really segues right into the question about PTS and and some of the after action issues right you know that can arise um and, and have been like like you brought up they have been arising for years decades right they've been arising since the first time man fought you know they, they were calling um you know shell shock or or um um what is the other term they would use it's called uh I can't think of it right now. They would fatigue, like war fatigue, mm-hmm. you know, combat fatigue. Right, yeah. Um, so just these different things that would come up. And we, you guys don't have to go very far. You know, you can go Los Angeles. You can go to the Los Angeles VA right now. It's called Veterans Row. Anybody can go up there. You can drive by and you can just see a string. You can see the camp right there. And a lot of those guys out there, those are homeless vets. And you know what's different between a homeless vet and a homeless person? A lot of the times, that homeless veteran, he's fine with it. Not that a homeless person isn't fine with being homeless. I'm not going to pretend like I can enter into the mind of the homeless community. Mm-hmm. But that homeless vet who's got his tent up, he's got his he might as well be forward. He might as well be deployed, living in the bush, you know? And, like, that is pretty much, that could be the norm for that person. Now, drugs and alcohol and all these other things that can enter into the situation, I'll say this, as far as PTS goes and even guys with, 
you know, traumatic brain injury. Um, it is, the, the fight is thick and it's nasty and it's tedious. You know, uh, the conflict with PTS and TBI. I mean, the, the, the hospitals, they don't even know how to separate them. If you have residuals of a traumatic brain injury or you have a traumatic brain injury period, like it's immediate, immediately falling under that level of diagnosis is like the diagnosis of post-traumatic stress mm -hmm. of some kind, you know, and I don't understand how all the diagnosing and everything works. Um, and I don't understand how far, like, the depths of PTS you know, to the point where you can't even function, but you're just paralyzed with fear. I do know this, um, and this is exciting, because nobody wants to live that way. No. You know? Yeah. I, I genuinely believe, like, you know, when you have guys that, or, or let's just take man and woman, for instance, that are like, I need welfare. I need government assistance. I need somebody to, 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 to pay the bill. You know, when you have a person in that position, you know, I need somebody to guard me. I need, I, 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 I'm not safe. You know what I mean? That's really like what we're getting down to the, the brass of like, I'm not safe. Mm -hmm. I don't feel safe. I don't feel like I can protect myself. The sense of vulnerability. Right. But, but, a vulnerability that has no, like you and I can be vulnerable, but I can be vulnerable because I know who goes before me and I know who stands with me. Mm -hmm. And I know that I fall into the arms of the everlasting God. And I trust that. And that's not a, that's not boasting. I believe that to be factually true. Just as I know factually that, you know, I'm driving along one day and the road exploded in front of me. That happened. You know? I've taken and and you know what? I've taken I've taken small arms fire. You know, I've been in those situations. Just as live as those are, I know that my God is for us. And you know, those 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 times of of combat, those times of, of physical conflict being engaged with the enemy or being engaged, period. You know, you're, you're, you're exercising all of this training. You know what I mean? You're, you're in a firefight. You're literally shooting at each other, trying to, and, and it's totally different. Like the training aspect, people, or, or, or Call of Duty or a game or whatever you want to call it, all of that is one thing when what you're shooting at is shooting back at you in a real and, life and, situation. And it takes, it only takes one good shot, Yeah, you know, or it only takes you putting your foot in one wrong place. The stakes are really high, right? Mm -hmm. This can sound a little insensitive of what I'm going to say right now. When you know the beginning from the end, It really, it really makes you think about how am I using my time right now? 
because I could go out and be in a firefight, and uh, you know something could something could start right now in the next thirty seconds. But Noah, you and I could be the rapture could come mm-hmm. this evening, and that's an even more serious thing. You know, the fact that I could fall over right now of a heart attack or you know something could happen with you know you could i don't know you could go out to lunch today and choke on something and you know suffocate all of those possibilities yeah like life is not we're not guaranteed it's not guaranteed right today is what you have before you mm-hmm. but even more so than that because i can live cautiously or I can live in such a way where I'm training, 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 so when I get into that fight, I'm ready to fight. But none of the not there's no amount of training, there's no amount of 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 care, there's no vaccine, there's no cure that is going to stop you or I from dying. And there's an amazing, very, very, very powerful truth. The word would refer to it as what? The good news. The gospel. See, this is, I, I get excited about this because this is really at the forefront of, of, of the life of the warfighter and a lot of people in the civilian populace who think I'm, I'm not a warrior? I don't do this or that. Like I'm, you know, right. I have bad groceries, or I I I'm stuck in school books and a calculator all day, you know, or 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 you know, I work in a warehouse, or I'm a mechanic, or whatever. I'm not a warrior. No, very much so. The mindset it go it it spans across. Why? Because Christ died for all, and. My, I have a good friend that used to tell me, when God says all, when the Bible says all, he means everything. The whole world. Nothing's left out. Mm-hmm. So everybody from you and me to that enemy, that member of the Taliban, you know, that um, maybe maybe for another person's era, that that German, right? Or... Maybe on their behalf, that American, you know, that guy that did just go out to hurt people, all of those people, God did die for. He did give himself for. All those homeless veterans, all those guys that are out there on the street, all those people with PTS, all those people that are suffering, really, from... Not having the word of God and the Holy Spirit and the truth of Jesus Christ and how all these things culminate together in their life. Like we're seeing on such a wide basis right now, we're just seeing the void. A godless, a godless generation. And it's sad because it's one thing to go up and try to fight for the guy's life in the tent. But it's another thing to try to speak to the young man who's 17 
and looking at the rest of his life and being like, what am I going to do? I've got to make a decision. You know what? The only decision that young man has to make and the only decision that that man living in the tent has to make are the, de- are the decision to come before the foot of the cross. And it's the decision you and I have to make on a daily basis. It doesn't change. I love how in the Bible it talks about pleasing the officer that enlisted you. Like a good soldier, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or the time that Jesus really edifies the action of the centurion. You know, I haven't seen greater faith in this in all of Israel. You know, because the centurion says, you say the word. You say the word. Because I know that if I say the word, I can tell them to come and they come, to go and they'll go. You know, but you say the word. You don't have to come with me. You, you don't have to spend your time physically coming with me to, to, to you know, to issue this healing. You say the word, and it's done. And Jesus marveled. You know? Mm-hmm. Everyone can have that mind. Everyone can have that heart and know that our God is a warrior. He is a warrior. He's always present with us, no matter what the situation may be. And I, I like your the what you're saying is just, you know, the Lord is the ultimate has the ultimate power. He controls everything that we do, the experiences that we go through, the things that we see in the military case, the missions that you go on. He's ever present with you, you know wherever you're at. And in your case, those experiences that you had, the Lord was there to protect you, to make sure that you and your men were safe. And, uh, you know, you can just imagine for those listening, like what it was like in that situation. But, you know, like Jeremy said, you can just imagine it. But when you're actually there, it's like a matter of life and death. But with the Lord always being there, being constantly present in your life, he's there to protect you in those situations and you know in the military's case and in wartime not everyone comes back safely everyone when the lord calls you home he calls you home but as jeremy said and is what i really want to hammer on you what are you doing with your time now whether you are in the military or you're like jeremy said you're the 17 year old kid who's in high school wherever or whatever what are you doing with your time now how is the lord how, is the Lord even present in your life? And even if he is, have you backslidden from it? What what does the Lord mean to you personally? Because what we have to now, what we have now is what we have. We can't take any of the materials that you have in your life. The only thing you can take is yourself to heaven or hell. It's a personal decision that you yourself have to make. It's something you have to be aware of and we, we believe in the rapture of the church. It will happen one day, whether it's in our generation or the next generation. Um, it's going to happen, and we have to be prepared for it, you know, because the, the Lord will come uh, like a thief in the night and will snatch the, his church. He'll take his church up to heaven, and we have to be ready for that moment constantly, every day. I want to say this um, because I think that this ties into – a lot of, you know, you've asked me about experience and, and you know, coming into the Marine Corps and, and what I did and deployments. We've talked a little bit about training. You know, and this can lead into the front sight conversation a little bit, but 
I think this is vitally important. You do not need to be enlisted into the armed services to be a war fighter, Mm -hmm. to be a warrior. You do not need to be that. And I'll say, scripturally, it comes up in Ephesians chapter 6, you know, where, where it talks about putting on the full armor of God. Now, to some people, they can think, oh, that's just a literal statement, you know, put on the helmet of righteousness, you know, the belt of belt of righteousness, you know, and helmet of salvation, you know. But that those are not figurative things. Because when you enter into the conflict daily, spiritual either, conflict. Yeah, which is look, let's get this out of the way. Like the spiritual war is far more fierce. Mhm than any physical com like any physical measure of combat. Why? Because physical combat ends. You know? And and you're either a casualty or you're not. And usually the one who's not a casualty, you know, ends up the the quote unquote victor. Mm-hmm. But spiritual war. You know, physically you can go out and, and guys will say, oh like this deployment was terrible. Like, like I said, they fought every day. But that's all, that's still only, even if you fought and it was just six months, or if you fought every day and it was just a year. Spiritually, the fight is on from the moment you come out of the womb. Till the day you die. Till the day you die. And And really, if we're being honest, the war has been going on since the garden. Mm-hmm. And it will continue until the new earth. Right? So that war itself, that is a giant campaign. All all led by one enemy, you know. One one person leads it all. The right. devil and his followers is what is the literal spiritual warfare that like he said, you come through daily. Every yeah. day you have, it's important that you take these terms of the armor of God as an idea of your mindset and your acts as a person, because the enemy puts things in your life, whether it's in your head or physically, he puts these things in your life to make your faith stumble. And when you do that, the spiritual warfare that goes on inside your head, whether you choose to like, act on a temptation or not or anything like that, that is something that the enemy will always constantly plant in your in your life. So let's give a terminal learning objective here. The the end result for picking up your Bible, you know the word would say to what is the value of hiding the word in your heart? And what does that mean? Hiding the word in my heart. That means knowing it. That means being able to call it to recollection. You know, Jesus uses three different parts of the book of Deuteronomy while he's out in the desert and being tempted. He wasn't like, oh, hold up, saying real quick, let me go check my iPhone. Let me pull up my my Bible app. You know, or, oh, you know, I left my Bible over on the other side of the rock over there. I'll be right back. Mm -hmm. No. 
he brings it forth. It's ready. It's on. It's it's at the tip of his tongue. It's that double-edged sword, right? So just like I was talking about that rifle and just knowing that rifle, knowing that weapon, we use that term a lot, that using the Bible, you know, as, and the Bible is not, the Bible is not a weapon in the sense that it can hurt someone. Physically. Right? It's, it's not, it's not something meant to, the Bible is not meant to cause destruction and chaos no. Like like I can use a rifle to do. Exactly. Right? The Bible is meant to be our it's it's a it's a full on instruction manual. And not only that, it reveals our condition, even unto ourselves. And so in talking about the deployment, the issues, all of that and and the need of good training and you know because of the things that you might run into like let's juxtapose that real quick let's put that let's contrast that you know as to now you the guy who's been enlisted or are considering like okay what does the bible really have to offer what does jesus have to offer why is god important well i'll tell you what one out of one of us die guaranteed fact yeah <laughs> Not a non-factor. That is definitely a factor. One out of every one person will die. Take it to the bank. Yeah. Now, there is one of us, of our numbers, who died and rose again. Don't you think that you'd want to look? I'd, I'd, I'd be interested in that, in who that person is. Who is that character? You know, and I'm not trying to talk about, I'm not trying to talk about Jesus like he's not a big deal. That's not what I'm doing. I'm not being um, slant about it or, or, oh, he's my homeboy. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. I, I, I have a reverence for the fact that God himself would give his only son for me, a guy that doesn't deserve it, because I don't. You and I don't deserve it. No, we're all guilty of sin. And- we, we straight up deserve punishment and death. Mm-hmm. We do. And maybe somebody's like, I don't deserve punishment and death. I'm a good guy, you know? Well, that's by your own measure. That's You think you're a good guy by your own standard. Mm-hmm. And God is just. And the place, it, you know, we talk about heaven. People think like, oh, heaven, it's a perfect place. How do you get to a perfect place? You don't get to a perfect place by being imperfect. That's for sure. That's for certain. Mm-hmm. You can't be a spe- you can't be in the special forces if you're just lumping along. Exactly. And you're not going to put anything into it, but you're like, "Okay, yeah, see he just said it. Like you got to put something into it. How do you get to heaven? Then I got to get to heaven cuz I got to be a good person. I got to do good things. I got to have good in my heart. God knows me." Wrong. The one action, the one action by which you and I can enter in is by trusting and believing that Jesus is who he says he is and coming to him legit like God this is what I'm I'm guilty and I know that you are the only way. Mm-hmm. And you know that really wraps up a lot of what the issues with the guys on the street, the guys with the PTS look just because you don't die in a mansion doesn't mean that 
or, or, or in a nice bed, you know, you die on the side of the street in a tent, that doesn't mean that you're not going to heaven. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. Mm-hmm. You know? The person who you die- dies in the mansion compared to the, like you said, the person who dies in the tent, what's ultimately the deciding factor is where their soul is at. Right. Where's your heart at? Mm-hmm. Do you have, you know, Noah, I wish we had a better relationship. <laughs> I wish we hung out more. You know what I mean? I wish we did. Why? Because that would make you and I closer. You know? The thing is, is you have access to the true and living God anytime. And thank God you do. Because in history, it wasn't always like that. Mm-hmm. And in this dispensation of grace that we live in, this time where God did give his only begotten son, he did give his only son, his son did pay the price, pay the price of, of, of the wages of our sin so that we wouldn't have to, but that we could believe on him. You know, and, and, and what does that make? I'll tell you what. If somebody walked in the door right now with with a nine mil and said, Your date, I'm here for Noah, and I stepped in front of that round, you would never forget me. You would never forget me. Why? Because I sacrificed myself for you. The Bible says that there's no greater love than when a man lays down his life for his friends. See, and all of that is very threaded into the military as well. Mm-hmm. But it's not just the military. Like, these guys that are in the military, they are men and women. They are, but they're men. Simple. They're people. Yeah. They're people the like you and me. So the principles that I have, I have some of those principles because they were instilled into me by, by discipline and by pain and training and other things. But you have those principles as well. And in fact, if, and this is what I'm excited about. If I can tell you, look, you can be a warrior far before you ever reach the, the, you know, the dotted line, so to speak, for you to sign your name on. Mm-hmm. You can become a warrior right now today in this very moment, even listening to this podcast. And, and I mean, maybe they're not listening right now. Maybe they're listening later. You know, maybe this is five years old by that time, and you and I are, I don't know, maybe you and I are gone and dead, and this is just off into Spotify eternity, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, if, if you are living and breathing, your heart's beating, you can straight up ask the true and living God who hears and answers prayer, Jesus Christ himself to forgive you of your sin and to come into your life. And you don't have to even understand all of it. No one ever does. Right. And we don't understand the whole measure. I mean, that's why we study the Bible. Mm -hmm. That's why we continue, we continue to read it line upon line, precept upon precept. We continue to, we're continuing, we're continually taught it here in this church, you know, um, God can can cannot just only though take away everything that you've got going on, take away all the stuff with PTS, take away all the drama at school, 
take away all the drama at home, all the stuff in your family, all the mistakes you've made. He can take all of those things and he can wipe them away clean. What's the Bible say? That if if you would confess your sin, that he is faithful and just to forgive you. And not just forgive you of your sin, but to cleanse away every, to wash you clean. You remember it no more. Right. Fresh new start. So it's not just like, oh, forgive me for the, for what I did. Like, it's a, it's a game changer. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That is just as important to me as it is for, you know, 12, 13, 14-year-old boy. 14-year-old, 15, 16-year-old girl, you know, to be able to look and say, you know what, I don't have to do all this on my own. Because the guy who has to do something on his own always comes to the end of himself. Always. He'll always come to the end of himself. And then what? You run out of options. Oh, you got to pick yourself up. You know, you got to dust yourself off. You got to do this and that. Mm -hmm. What if you didn't have to do that? And what if you could forego all of the time wasted, all of the heartache, all of the failure. What if you could forego that? How does a young man, how does a young man keep his way? Right? Mm-hmm. The Proverbs would say, get into a relationship with the true and living God who has written this Bible, who's given community to us, right? In churches, in ministry, right? Front site ministry, front site military outreach ministry is is a military ministry where you have military members and patriots. There are guys that may not step up into a church because they have a preconceived notion of what they might find in a church. Oh, they'll judge me. Oh, they'll do this. I don't fit in. They're just, you know, you could have, there's a number of reasons. They don't understand me. All these different things. I'm too jacked up to go there. I'll get struck by lightning. I don't know. Maybe that's an old school, like, feeling. It's not very realistic that you get struck by lightning going to church. But no, you have a better chance of winning the lotto. Yeah. That, or well, if people, thought, if people thought that they were going to win the lotto by coming to church, they'd be flooding in. And the <laughs> yeah. truest thing is, the crazy thing is, is you would find more treasure than the lotto could ever give you well you by coming here you win the lotto. yeah you win it but either you come in as a sinner or you come in as a believer you already are going to win the lotto by the holy spirit convicting you or you just won it because you what's better than eternal life you know yeah you know yeah yeah and when you live and this is what makes this is what makes the warfighter elite when you live you know bro you can't kill me You cannot kill me. You can do whatever you want to this body. But this body is like, you know, it used to be a high-speed machine. (laughs) Now it's like a, it's getting to be a, it's getting to be a. Fluffy biscuit. (laughs) (laughs) Falling apart. Falling apart, overcooked, you know, left out, a little stale. You don't know. But. The Bible's taught me, and Jesus has promised me that I'm going to live forever. What I do here makes a difference. 
in front sight is that ministry that brings this message to those who, like you said, are timid or like are un- unsure of themselves to want to come into the church and to experience. Yeah, it. we call it the 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 underlying phrase for um, for front sight is the broken redeemed, and it's uh, one of the 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 verses that you find on there is Second Chronicles seven fourteen. You know, if my people who are called by my name will will humble themselves, will pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven. You know, I'll forgive them of their sin, and and I'll heal their land. I probably just jacked that up real. No, good. no, no. You got that right on the point. Because <laughs> I I I know that verse too. Because that is like a a verse that. I think I did a, a devo. Yeah, I, I did a devotion on uh, my own on my Instagram, where I talked on this verse. And at the time, that was during uh, the election when we got a new president and stuff. And just you know, the nation, our nation, being in such chaos, as you can see, this is probably one of the nicest ways to say what our nation is right now. It's in a chaotic state of division and stuff. But that verse that you just said, you know, how simple does that sound? All you have to do is just turn from your wicked ways, seek the Lord, pray to him, and he will provide the things that are necessary for us to survive. How simple of a verse that is, yet our nation, we t- we, it's it seems too simple, right? But our nation makes it so complicated by not even listening to the message. Yeah, and they've turned, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, what you and I are talking about right now and what you and I are encouraging, you know, warriors, whether they be in the military or they are, um, you know, people that aren't young people that aren't able to, to, to legally make that decision yet, or people that are just doing life. You know, I speak to that whole, I'm we're, you and I are speaking to that whole genre of people, you know, as, as human beings, right. With the potential to be warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is those the people that are making decisions right now, you know, they are in opposition because that actual verse says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, that's an if, right? So that's if my people, I consider myself the people of God. I consider you and I to be people of the Lord who are called by his name. Why? Because I know it was him that did it. I know it was Jesus that even allows you and I to be having this podcast right now and to be speaking on this 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 measure of truth, right? Will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. You know, there's a lot going on right there. Mm-hmm. You got to have, you, you got to, you have to make the decision, and this is what I love, and I think that this is, again, just kind of progressing us in our conversation. To make the choice to pray, you you really, you have to do that. That's by, that's by measure of faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, crazy people go into a room, close it, and talk to themselves. Talk to yourself in the street. Driving your car. Yeah, but you could make, you could make that distinction and you could make a misinterpretation. 
like, oh, that guy's crazy. Why? Because he's talking to himself. No, in the in the word, when they say the word meditate, you know, the Jew would literally meditate. He would speak to himself. You know, coming to that place of prayer, it's the point in the spiritual warfare and the spiritual warrior comes to that place of praying to ask God for help and first foremost for thanks for giving him life and everything, but to help him with his battles that he faces or he or she, whoever it may be, wherever they face prayer is that time to come to the Lord, ask for his help, his guidance, just as a soldier goes to uh, wherever general triage yeah, leader yeah. needs help. It needs aid. It's the same way as when we come to the Lord. Yeah, and let's take that a step deeper because I think that this can be a misconception as well. You know, my sergeants or my staff sergeants or my officers, I would think, man, I've done something wrong. They're not going to be happy with me. You know, they're going to disapprove of what I did. This isn't going to be, you know, what I've done is not okay, and I'm going to be punished. You know, maybe you make the decision to live with integrity and you confess that and you take your punishment. You know, um, maybe we could be talking about mom and dad, you know, and you go and say you did something wrong or maybe you don't. Maybe you hide it, you know, and and you tuck that up under under your skin, you know. Our God, the God that you and I are talking about, refers to himself as our father, but even deeper than that. You know, I, I was thinking about this this morning. I don't use the word daddy. I never called someone, you know, papa. But the word that Jesus uses, Abba, father, the, the term of endearment uh, uh, from a child, a, a, a small child's perspective, speaking to their father. You know, I really think that we need to chew on that. Uh, and quite often, to have a correct perspective of who the Lord of Heaven's armies is, okay, the sovereign leader over all things, and by his word, all things are held together, Right? Like, if God wanted to, we could be grease stains, mm -hmm. you know? The enemy could be dust in the wind. That same all-powerful God, the one who says, if my people who are called by my name, the people he's talking about are his children. So God opens up, and, and if you're listening, you know, I really encourage you guys to look up... Um, that, that doctrine of adoption, you know, God is adopted. He, he, he makes a way for us to be adopted by him, mm -hmm. you know, and that's a choice of ours. You know, God, God already chose us. We have the free will either to reject him or accept him, accept him. Right. And you're accepting that, you're accepting that. I, you know what? I do want to be adopted into the family of God. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's vitally important because we can have a, we can have a wrong perception of who God is and we can go through life saying you know, God's just a judge he's just angry he just wants to send me to why would God send someone to hell 
Why would he do this? Why would he do that? And it's a miss. You, you don't have the correct perception of who God is. And that's why reading the Bible is so important. You know, I'm thankful that we've talked about, you know, that, that I don't know, you found value in talking about the military and, you know, just experience that God has allowed me to have and, and all that. And it's really, it's not much. It's really not much. There are guys out there that have had way harder deployments, that have had way, you know, they've got better stories, so to speak, you know, what people would perceive as better stories or, or you know, they've, they've had way harder times. But those guys and, and myself, we all have to be reconciled to our knee is going to bow and the tongue is going to f- confess that Jesus is Lord. Ultimately, at the it's, end. it's all going to come down to that, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, I love, I love my 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 hard charging, you know, special force operators. I love the guys that'll never be recognized for what they've done. You know what I mean? And they've they've done things you and I could never dream of doing. To that guy that is just doing a normal job somewhere who thinks that nobody knows who he is and and he's not important, you know, to that guy that's out there doing all kinds of wrong right now and he knows he's jacked up and he doesn't know how he's came to find himself listening to this madness. (laughs) Um, All of those people all have one thing in common is is they they can come back into the truth of the fact that our God, the Lord of Heaven's armies, will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and he'll heal their land. And one last thing I'll add. It's he, the God and his army is always by our side. No matter what the conflict or the, the battle you may find yourself in, spiritual or physical, he's always by our side and always has a plan for us and a purpose. Yeah, even when we're unfaithful, he's faithful. Mm-hmm. Especially that, even when we're unfaithful. Yeah, even when our guard is down, his guard is still up. Mm-hmm. There to protect us and there to and, watch over us. Yeah, and he allows us, you know, he really does allow us to go through things, um, things that are things that are difficult, things that hurt, you know. He chastises, you know what I mean? He corrects. Sometimes that hurts. Sometimes that, that it definitely, I think, you know, chast... Discipline is never, it never feels good when you're going through it, but it brings forth, you know, a, a, it brings forth a, a, it brings forth fruit. You know, I was trying to, to put that in layman's terms, but, you know, the Bible would say that, you know, a measure of, dis- that when you're going, any person that's going through discipline, you know, in Hebrews it says, um, they don't like it when they're going through it, you know, but that time, that season of discipline will bring forth so I think all of that, all of that to come back, the Bible is full of, of it, we need to really take it seriously. You know, I, I had to look up a manual as to how to use, you know, somebody taught me how to use a rifle. You know, I had to read a manual on, on the theory of marksmanship. And I used to teach that. And, and my recruits would always be, you know, they're always looking through this, this uh, data book, it was called a data book, you know, 
reaffirming that they know the, the firing positions, you know, that they're utilizing those firing positions, um, testing the wind, knowing how to read the flags for how the wind would change, you know, so that they could make the click adjustment on how to get the round to move left or to move right, right? They're always, they're, they're making sure that they know how to use their sights, you know, to adjust for elevation for when you move further back from the target. The Bible, the word, is that so much more. Because I'm teaching you how to use that rifle. You better know how to use that when we go to operate. Because that's going to, your ability to employ that is going to make the difference between life or death. And if it's, if it's on, if the, if the, if the employment of that weapon, if you're able to use that weapon effectively and efficiently, and you don't have to really process it, but you've just trained so much that it's just an extension of you, then the decision, the discernment on that target, on is this person a target or are they not a target, all of that becomes much more clear. And this is what I was talking about with hiding the word in your heart. You know the data book, right? You know the information. Now it's on the edge of your tongue. You have ears to hear. You have eyes to see. And right? you have a tongue to confess. It, it, you, you have the ability. I mean, yeah, tongue to confess. You also have the ability to, to speak life to a situation. You know, you have the ability to what? to encourage, to rebuke. You know, you have the you have the you have the ability to correct. You have the ability to literally what is a good word? You know what I mean? A good word heard. You know in 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 right in right season or under a certain circumstance. It gives life. And somebody that somebody that is absolutely ready to hear and needs life and is at the end of themselves, we rejoice over that. We rejoice when somebody comes to the Lord. Why? Because they were once blind, now they see. They were dead in trespasses, and now they're alive in in Jesus. And God is proving, he's proving himself to be faithful and to be just and to be merciful and to be gracious as he continues to save these people and adds them, you know, into our numbers. Mm-hmm. You know? The the Bible is very much applicable to the person on the front lines, say in Afghanistan, then the person who's back at home dealing with any sort of spiritual thing. And that's something to, that's like probably the one thing we could use to Tie this all together, you know. The, it's the, the same conflict. Yeah. It is the exact same conflict. Yeah. Just because I'm out in some, right, some dusty tent somewhere, or I'm in a Humvee, or I'm up in a tank, or I'm in Camp Pendleton under a, a stinking aluminum can on a piece of cement, you know, or I'm out taking a final at Mount Sac, or I'm in my car driving home from work at a job I don't like. All of those are in a situation you don't like. doesn't even have to be a job, a situation you don't like. All those people are facing the same spiritual conflict. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. 
Well, big discussion, but very applicable to lots of people, no matter if you're in the military or, like I said, a civilian. It, it still applies to you no matter what. So, but Jeremy, thank you for coming on. Uh, for those who are interested uh, in Front Sight Military Outreach, be sure to Google them. They have a website. They're on Instagram. All the information about them. They do lots of events um, geared towards bringing people out, veterans, car shows, uh, things like that, to where people can come, hear the word, fellowship together, and ultimately, you know, it's for the purpose of helping each other no matter what they're dealing with. So, um, again, thank you for coming on. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we spend more time in uh, at like a range or something because it sounds like so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for listening and be sure um, be in tune for other episodes or devos. Thank you guys.